You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing preserving and augmenting the alveolar bone following an extraction. Our guest is Dr. Veronique Benamou, a certified specialist in periodontics and implantology and associate professor and past director of the Division of Periodontics at McGill University Dental School. Dr. Benamou has been a recipient of many prestigious teaching and clinical awards and is currently in private practice in downtown Montreal. Dedicated to teaching, she is very involved with continuing dental education worldwide. Dr. Benamou, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you very much for having me, Phil. Yeah, so we're going to learn a little bit about preserving bone in this podcast. And my first question is, why is it important to preserve the volume of the alveolar socket upon extraction? What we do know from the literature, which is quite extensive in the subject, is that after a tooth extraction, we automatically see some degree of alveolar bone loss. The reason that happens is that the bone around the teeth is primarily vascularized by the periodontal membrane of the tooth. So when we lose that tooth, what happens is we get uh, insufficient nourishment, and that will lead to partial resorption. Uh, the, The existence of the bone is strictly dependent on the presence of the tooth. So what we see is that with time, one can lose uh, anywhere between 30 to 60% of the volume of the bone horizontally, which means from the buccal to palatal or lingual dimension. And we will see, to a smaller degree, some vertical bone loss, somewhere between 10 and 20%. And that happens within six months uh, following a tooth extraction. Okay, so uh, there are steps, obviously, that a dentist could take when extracting a tooth to minimize that loss of bone. Can you tell us something about those steps? Absolutely. So, of course, the the first step to take is to to revisit the way we extract teeth. Uh, uh, When one speaks about uh, the concept of uh, uh, atraumatic, although extracting a tooth has never been really atraumatic in my mind, but minimally traumatic extraction. So what that means is that we will take, we'll make every effort in order to minimize the, the trauma to the alveolar bone at the time of extraction. What that will entail is to, of course, have adequate radiographs to understand the anatomy of the roots of that tooth. It entails as well to minimize raising flaps to to the least minimum. It, it, unless there's a reason to, to raise a full flap, then it's better to, to avoid that. It also imply the use of different instrumentation. So rather than uh, going with the, the traditional instruments, the selection of some uh, what we call periotomes, uh, which are uh, elevators that are much narrower, much thinner, which allow the penetration of the space of the periodontal ligament in space to displace gently the tooth. Um, it will imply possibly the use of these extraction root forceps, uh, which allow to really grab the tooth and, and minimize uh, uh, buccal palatal forces on the on the uh, alveolar bone, and possibly sometimes even sectioning teeth 
in order to be able to remove them with as little force as possible and as little trauma as possible to the alveolar socket. So that would be like the, the, the newer way of doing things. Uh, of course, that requires a, a little bit of thinking differently. Uh, for example, an upper molar could be sectioned into three different parts, and then each individual root would be removed uh, one at a time. Uh, lower molar would be sectioned in two so that we can remove each individual root. And that, of course, because these roots are mostly divergent, if we're removing them one at a time, then, of course, the force on the alveolar bone is much less. The other important thing to do would be to, once we've curated extensively the site, removing all granular tissue, is to consider preserving the ridge. And what that means, it means adding some type of material, sometimes of bone graft material, within the socket in order to maximize the retention of the volume. So there are, there are many different types of uh, materials that we can use. In the literature, we have, of course, some uh, autogenous bone, autologous bone, allogenous bone, some xenografts. Uh, and the literature has shown that truly all the materials behave in a similar way, uh, in that most grafting materials are effective. There are slight differences between them in the handling, in the manipulation, in the healing time. But on average, most of the studies that have been published, and there are a fair amount available in the literature in the last five to eight years, that have shown that if you graft these areas, you will end up with less vertical and less horizontal bone contraction at the grafted site. Um, this is important to understand that it doesn't completely eradicate the loss of the volume, but on average, you can maintain about 80% of the original volume, uh, which you would otherwise would have lost for up to 60%. So, but for simple extractions where the root is not divergent, where it's single tooth, uh, single rooted tooth, maybe a lower bicuspid, uh, an anterior, are you also recommending using um, augmentation material for that as well, even if it's very atraumatic? Absolutely. And the reason for that is that, especially in the aesthetic zone, so from premolar to premolar, the buccal bone is extremely thin. If you look at, uh, at, at the anterior teeth sites, the buccal bone plane is, plate is usually less than a millimeter thick. The average thickness, in fact, is about 0.5 millimeter. So we know that we're going to lose that bone, even in the least traumatic extraction. So in an anterior tooth, if you are losing that space, you're gonna, you're, you start off with, let's say, a, a six millimeter uh, buccal palatal space. If you lose 60% of that volume, you, you've now written off the easiness of placing an implant. Uh, what's interesting is that more than half of these sites that have left to be treat, to be healed without grafting will end up needing some type of augmentation if we want to place an implant after. Right. So rather do it later, you do it at the time of the extraction, you're saying. Correct. Because if you do it at the time of the extraction, it's easier. It's less expensive for the patient. It's that same 
procedure. Uh, if you wait, then what the risk is, is that you end up having to do not a preservation, but a ridge augmentation, which is a little more involved procedure, which was, adds cost and time to the patient. Uh, so, of course, if you're doing it at the moment of extraction, you're minimizing the whole treatment. Tell us a little bit about the foundation collagen bone augmentation material. So, as I was saying earlier, uh, when you look at what's available in the literature in terms of, of techniques for preserving sites, there, there has been no obvious evidence of superiority of one graph material over another. So there are many, many ways of doing this. Uh, and the prime difference between the choices of the different materials that are out there are the complexity of the technique, the chair time that it takes, the healing time for that material, and the cost of the material. So when I look at all these things, uh, there is a material called foundation collagen-based uh, bone filling augmentation material, which actually has been shown to be as efficient as all the other uh, uh, products that are out there, and which allows to maintain the volume to the same extent as any of the other products that have uh, been available on the market. The foundation is primarily made of type one collagen, and uh, it's, a, it's bovine collagen. It's biocompatible, it's biodegradable, and what it does is it provides an elastic framework for producing good osteoconductivity. That means that it allows to, to promote the movement of the cells within the collagen to be able to fabricate bone. Uh, this product is, may look similar to some of the hemostatic sponges that are out there, but when you pay a little more attention to it, you will see that the material is much, much denser, uh, does not collapse, does not melt within the socket as the hemostatic sponges would. And the reason for that is that it is formed with two types of uh, collagen fibers. 90% of it is formed uh, of fibrillar collagen, uh, which is basically uh, made by removing the, the immunogenic part of the, of the normal collagen fiber. So it's called atelocollagen. We're removing the telopeptides. Uh, um, and we are placing these fibers in a bath, a, a neutral pH bath. And it forms a very dense collagen scaffold. 10% uh, of the foundation is composed of denatured collagen in a uh, 37 degree heat bath. And what that does is it unravels that collagen fiber and that part of the collagen stimulates infiltration of the cells within the scaffold. So essentially you've got this bullet shaped uh, collagen structure, which when looked at under the mix microscope looks like a scaffold of bone, but which functions to facilitate the conduction of stem cells within the, the scaffold in order to grow bone. The beauty of the material, of course, is that it grows bone within uh, 6 to, to 12 weeks. 
So already at six, seven, eight weeks, you can see quite a bit of bone fill. By 12 weeks, the quality of the bone that you have is type two, type one bone. This has been shown in a pilot study that we ran where we took cores of bone and, uh, and measured uh, 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 or did run some micro CTs rather and ended up with bone that looks like native bone very quickly without residual fibers inside, without residual products. So it's, it's a very easy material to use. It's quite inexpensive, it's quite quick and um, works quite well. Yeah, so you, you mentioned it was bullet-shaped. So if we were talking about a simple uh, anterior lower tooth extraction, number 24 and number 25, this would slip right into yep. the socket. with the So the blood is filling up the socket. The tooth has been removed. The blood is filling up the socket. You haven't done any flaps at all. Then you just no drop, the, you drop this bullet-shaped material into the socket. If you would just elaborate on the clinical technique. So um, what one would do is, is, as I said, that the one part which is, ex is, is very important, which a, a lot of clinicians tend to oversee, is the making sure that the socket is free of granulation tissue. Uh, once we've done that, you will have your blood clot. Uh, you will select, there are two types of bullets. There's what they call a small one, which probably would be used in the anterior zone, as you mentioned, or a medium one, which is quite large, which can actually be cut up to fit uh, uh, various roots for, for a molar, for example. So let's start with an anterior area. You would select a, a small uh, uh, plug, and what you would do is you could gently, without squishing it completely, give it the bit of the shape of the socket. And then right before you would place the, the, the material in the socket, you would just remove the blood clot, place the material, and let blood slowly flow into the material uh, again. And, and what's really important in the situation is to make sure that you have nice contact of the material to all of the adjacent walls. So it's important to not underfill it, okay? What do you use to remove the blood clot? Suction. Okay, so, uh, you know, in dental, school, in dental school, we were always told not to ever use suction because you don't want to disturb the clot, obviously fearing dry socket, but you're, this is something you want to I, do. I, I, yeah. This is something you want to do because you're not going to leave the area empty. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, you you want to be able to just section the, 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 the clot right before you're going to place your material. The socket at that time is still bleeding, okay? So what you want to see is that the collagen turns a, a nice little red color, uh, and then uh, you can put a figure eight uh, a suture with some chromic gut right on top. The reality is that the risks of dry sockets, the risks of hemorrhages, the risks of complications diminishes substantially with this. I, I honestly uh, have been using this material for almost five years now, and I have not had any dry sockets during that time, and I take out a lot of teeth. That's excellent. So this material yeah. sounds fantastic. Now, you said it's less expensive um, than other yeah. bone augmentation materials, how much less expensive? And what, what was, what's a comparison as far as price? So 
So I think if you're comparing to maybe some uh, allergenous bone, uh, the price is not significantly different. What is different with the allergenous bone is that the, the time of placing the, 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 the collagen plug within the socket is a couple of seconds. Uh, even if you have to shape the, the, the plug for, let's say, a molar, that'll take you a couple more minutes. You don't have to raise a flap. You don't have to cover it with a membrane. You don't have to get primary coverage. So in terms of, of price, what you're saving immensely on is chair time. Mm-hmm. Which is very important. Absolutely. Which is very important. Yeah, Absolutely. sure. So, so uh, patients are very receptive to that. Uh, there is no mobilization of flap over the, over the uh, uh, collagen. Uh, so you can leave it exposed without, without worrying. Uh, usually within about five to six days, you will have complete coverage over it. And, and the company that sells this product? The company that sells this product is uh, J. Morita USA. It's a Japanese company okay. that has um, uh, done this, yeah. Okay, so if, if our listeners want more information on um, bone augmentation material or even this particular product, which sounds fascinating, and that's called Foundation Collagen. Is that the name of the product? Correct. Fo- Foundation Collagen. Correct. Yeah. So, it's called uh, Foundation Collagen-Based Bone Filling Augmentation Material. That's the exact name. Yeah, so if, if our, any of our listeners want to get more information on it, you can certainly visit the website of Jay Morita. Um, and uh, they are a Japanese company, and I, they must have a U.S. Uh, website that, that could be visited. There is a U.S. website, and there's a U.S.-based uh, company. Okay, very good. Well, that's fantastic information, Veronique. Um, we really appreciate your time. You uh, certainly know a lot about uh, preserving the socket. It would be nice to have you on our Viva Learning webinar program and possibly do a webinar in the future. Show slides and maybe some video clips of doing some of these procedures. It's really fascinating stuff. It, it would be my pleasure, Phil, anytime. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And ho- hopefully we'll have you on a podcast again very soon. Have, have a great night. Thank you. 